This is a Baby Brunch podcast. If you take 8% return invested every month over that remaining 15 years, that bundle of joy just costs you 11.34 million. This podcast is supported by Epimax Baby and Junior. The range of Epimax Baby and Junior gentle all-purpose emollient moisturizers is an all-day, everyday favorite for babies and children. Give your child a good start to every day by nourishing and protecting their skin with Epimax. Welcome to another Baby Brunch recording. You can find all of our podcasts on babybrunch.co.za. No stranger to this platform. His name is Justin Harrison. For those of us that don't know who you are, Money Man, uh, give us the lowdown. Nominated podcast host of the stars. Oh, stop it. (laughs) Stop it. I was just there for the free canapes. Uh, yeah, so Ilana, my, my journey into money is very interesting. You know, I came from a, a very impoverished background. I found myself in a privileged school, hustling at the age of 13 to keep up. Started businesses at the age of 13, went into the world of, I like to call non-traditional finance because I'm actually not traditional finance guy. And uh, I am fascinated by numbers. Numbers generally remove all the emotional choices and uh, I've spent the last 25 years doing deep financial modeling, building financial technology for businesses. And uh, I love money. Now listen, I know that your love for money has also taught you many, many lessons. And that's why we got you back to our Baby Brunch recording. Now, the last time we had you on, we talked about don't spend money on your kids. It was a fascinating podcast that had many, many numbers of parents listening. And this time I thought, you know what? There's a lot of content online that talks about how much it costs to have a baby. You know, the natural birth versus the C-section and how to contact your medical aid. Sure, this was a big shock to me too when I had my babies and especially when I had to give birth uh, with a cesarean instead of natural birth. But I want to focus our attention today to how much does it cost to raise a baby? So, Babies don't stay babies. They become children. And that's why I got you on board. Are you ready for that? I'm ready. And i got to tell you, I, lo- I love the, the thinking around what it costs because, you know, we have kids and we don't actually ever equate the real cost. But there is, there is, there is proper money being spent on having those cute little things that we love so much. I adore my children. And I must say it is very hard to sometimes curb uh, how much to spend on them because I really feel that they're good kids. But let's get into it. I mean, let's break it down. All right. So uh, in 2023, uh, what's our monthly cost on things like uh, baby food, uh, nappies, medical supplies, clothing uh, for the typical, let's say, middle class family? for a newborn yeah so it's actually interesting I, I sat and i ran the numbers uh this week and of course you know i think it's very important to mention that depending on the kind of lifestyle you lead and you know there's middle class and there's middle class uh, i think it's you know we, we we're shooting for a very conservative average here with these numbers so you know hold on tight this is going to be interesting so we've broken it down between ages zero to age four. So up until the fourth birthday, because generally on the fourth birthday, things start to change, you know, no judgment, but you know, the kids are usually starting to get out of the nappies and, you know, we're off the baby formula. And so that's kind of like a very pivotal age point. 
so if you look at things like nappies, baby food, medical supplies, the toiletries that goes into, you know, those cute little bundles, uh, of course, the medical aid, which is something that not a lot of people think about, the additional out-of-pocket medical expenses, and of course, clothing. Now, again, I do want to point out, we're not all shopping at Nachi and uh, all these fancy clothing brands, but uh, a sort of happy middle line, right? Uh, we're coming out at about 5,800 Rand per month for the basket, right? And that and that pretty much is, is what people are going to spend on average. Now, again, for some people, it'll be a bit less. For some people, it'll be a hell of a lot so more. So say that again, 5,800 um, Rand per month per child. Okay. So can I work on that per month? So we are talking about, say, 60,000 Rand a year, 65,000 Rand a year. More or less. Then, then there's something else that I don't think a lot of people equate to. But when that bundle of joy comes home for the first time, there is, especially from the moms, a lot of spending at uh, Babies R Us and Toys R Us for all the trinkety little things, but the essentials for traveling, you know, car seats, we talk about a pram, we talk about a little nursery setup. The average spent there's about 32,500 currently. And uh, that's an expense that not a lot of people think about, but those little things add up. Now, of course, some people will be lucky and parents will gift, uh, the grandparents will gift prams and strollers and car seats, but generally the average middle-class family is going to take out about 32,500 Rand out of their pocket just to bring that bundle of joy home. So here's the thing. And I mean, I know that there was a time that, that uh, bringing baby home in a car seat wasn't compulsory. You know, um, we, we also actually had this chat in the week with a colleague of mine where we said, you know what, uh, even if it wasn't compulsory, we would bring our kids home in a car seat. We also saw a trend recently. I work with, um, with a with a project where we, we we're trying to see costs and whether moms are, are doing a lot of things new or whether we're doing secondhand, and even if we buy things secondhand, right, it comes out to a lot of money to try and get uh, just a basic stroller. I'm not even talking about um, for baby who's sitting upright, like for baby who's still lying down sleeping in in a um, let's call it a buggy. Um, and a car seat, it is terribly expensive. And I must say, that was the biggest shock for me as well. Even though we planned our baby and uh, we planned that there's going to be this education fund, it is almost like you you know pregnancy costs a certain amount of money and you know education for baby costs a certain amount of money, but no one is factoring in the amount of money when baby comes home and what it what you need to budget for until you need the education fund, you know, from baby food to, to nap. Okay. Nappies. I, I think we, it's a given. We all think about that, but all the other things, or even if you don't have a well baby, you know, people always say, oh, I never, I never thought I'd have so many expenses for uh, God forbid for, for, for therapy or additional therapy. If, if baby needs uh, some kind of assistance other than, um, just medical aid for respiratory diseases or uh, let's call it tonsillitis. I don't know. But um, that's, I must say the sum of bringing baby home is a much bigger shock to me than baby per year. Yeah. So, so that's the thing. And we're being very conservative again, you know, we're not, we're not buying Graco and the most expensive here. We, we're talking about really middle of the road. And so, you know, I think the other thing to also keep in mind, especially for new moms, it's a big tip out there. The hospital is generally going to send you back with a lot of uh, supplies for the first week. 
take as many of those samples as you can get as many of those free things that you can because that really that really helps to getting you on the road and then also you know your things like nappy parties and all this sort of stuff you know people tend to be quite shy about it but it's it's it really helps in the in the financials and you know if there's grandparents involved and they really want to donate to stroller into the situation or whatever don't be shy because here's the thing ilana in the first four years so 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 from zero up until basically the fourth birthday the average child is going to cost the average middle class family 250,000 rand that's a quarter of a million rand just for them to reach their fourth birthday and now what we're not including in this we're not including things that are very optional for example nannies we're not including things like the birthday parties these are these are things that have been excluded from this equation so we're purely looking at the at the essential items here so you're talking about quarter of a million rand uh, just just by the time the kids turn four. So that's it's pretty scary. It is pretty scary if you are only worried about the money aspect and budgeting for baby. But it's also pretty scary because we all like money, right? Even though we all have a lot of respect for it. You said something valuable, which I think is so important. If someone wants to give you a gift, take it. You know, um, I must say most of us that have got the, the, the DNA, I'm a giver. I, I don't like receiving gifts at all. Uh, but if you ask me, you know, someone's in need, I will be there because, you know, as an advocate, I will, I will just be there and help out and, and help people. And it was so hard for me receiving initially that I'm now at the point, even though my babies are six, eight and, uh, Laylee is 19 and Adam is 17. If someone wants to give me a handout for clothes, no matter in which financial position I find myself, I take it and I do the same. You have no idea amongst our colleagues. We've, we, we've started a, an interesting um, recycling system uh, body process here where, where I work. And what we've done is the if my babies have finished wearing their things, we pass it on to another little girl and she passes it on to another. So we, we figured out where everyone's ages are. And for the past four years, we've really created a nice little circle of passing on. And two of my colleagues have actually just had babies. So uh, Chapiso, who's busy filming us right now, and uh, Gift, who's not in the building, he's from our technical team. They've just had new babies. So I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure that they slot into a similar system where, uh, you know, we we have a hand me down system so that clothes are expensive and. My kids can only wear it for one season and then they outgrow it. And and many families aren't lucky enough to buy clothes every new season. Uh, sorry to harper on this, but this is the conversation that I had a mommy now recently that said her baby, she doesn't have the means. So her baby is going to wear her things that are too small for 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 winter she's going to wear in summer because they they too high anyway and then she'll get new clothes in winter well you know such an interesting discussion because you know we we've got three children and uh you know the first child was new everything by the second child we like listen uh it's getting a little bit expensive here maybe we should hand a few things down and then by the third child well let me tell you uh, i think i think the third child came home in a washing basket there was a, there were, we weren't even we weren't even doing the, the strollers and 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 car seats at this point but what we've done in amongst our business partners um we've they've got kids that are slightly older and some kids that are slightly younger we actually recycle the clothes in amongst us and what we've done is we buy really good quality clothing instead of just buying the cheapest stuff we can we buy good quality clothing because we know it's going to get handed around and i think the stigma around hand-me-downs needs to change a little bit as well because you know we've we, i think all of us that come from sort of impoverished backgrounds we we've got a stigma against hand-me-downs but i think there's also 
a lesson in this, in teaching our kids to really look after things in terms of, you know, making sure that you take care of everything around you, the environment and your clothes and everything. And I think this sets up for responsible citizens in the future. So I don't think we should have a stigma around hand-me-downs. It's interesting you say that. Before I continue with some of the other questions that I have, um, my baby has recently got a toy and it happens to be from another young, uh, let's call it a teenager, that looked after her toy so well that she really has the desire to go and travel. And then we offered to buy some of her secondhand toys so that she has the ability to travel. And so that my daughters could see, first of all, you're getting a very nice gift. But secondly, look how well she looked after her things that she was able to sell it. And you can do the same if you take care of it. So it was interesting to see how well they are looking after the set that they got because they knew it was it almost doesn't belong to them. It was someone else's and it's going to be someone else's after them as well, you know. So exactly, exactly. So Lana, I just want to mention something else because I don't want us to miss on this point because you know, I am Mr. Money and I have to drill in on the money here. Um, so quarter of a million rand to get a kid to age four, right? Now comes the interesting discussion. What would it cost to get a child from age four to age 18? Because again, not everybody's going to go to tertiary education. So we, we're sort of cutting the, the limit at, uh, at grade 12, finishing grade 12, 18, right? So if you send your kid to a private school, and a lot of middle class people are in the position to struggle a little bit and put their kids through private school, you're looking at from basically grade double naught, uh, so all the way into grade 12, uh, if you're looking at uniforms, extracurriculars, uh, the the school books, if you go to the whole basket of things, 5.5 million, 5.5 million, right? And if you break that cost back, uh, it works out to about 30,000 Rand per month with the schooling, the books and everything. So you don't necessarily see it because, you know, you pay a little bit here and a little bit there, but it equates to about 30,000 a month. If you are sending your kid to a Model C school, right, this is also pretty shocking. Um, you're looking at about 2.7 million. So it's about half the cost. So it's about 15,000 uh, Rand per month that you're going to outlay. And I don't think people actually realize this because as you're spending money, uh, it's a little bit here, a little bit there, and then you don't see the whole basket really. So here's, here's where Mr. Money steps in. And I'm sure this is going to lead into some deeper questions that you've got, right? So 5.5 million is what it's going to cost you if you send your kids full private, 2.7 million if you go to a Model C. Now, what is the opportunity cost in terms of money? So this is what is what is your baby, your sweet bundle of joy actually worth to you at the end of the day? If you were to take the initial amount of 250,000 that it takes you to get the child from zero to age four, right? That equates to roughly 7,000 Rand per month. If you had invested that 7,000 Rand per month for a nominal 8% return, you would have got back 296 thousand rand so here's the thing i would say that's not a bad investment actually because you kind of at break even it's just cost you a little bit more this this little bundle of joy is like it's about it's about forty six thousand rand out of your pocket at this point right we we can handle that but now what happens when we go from age four for the next 15 years up to 18 right and this is where it gets really interesting so if you are in a model c schooling environment you would have outlaid 2.7 million, right? But if you took the 15,000 Rand a month that you're gonna put out and you compounded it over 15 years at 8% per annum, which is a really 
very conservative number. The cost, the true cost of having that bundle of joy is 6.15 million, right? That's what you would have in an investment at the end of it. And then, of course, if you send your kid through private school, uh, you would have outlaid 5.75 million, the initial 250,000 plus that 5.5 million. And then if you take 8% return invested every month over that remaining 15 years, that bundle of joy just costs you 11.34 million. So either our children need to work really hard and pay us the money back, or if you are not going to have a little bundle of joy, right, and you understand how much fun we're having with the numbers now, right, you could either use your money as an investment to raise someone else's child if you have the means, or you could become really wealthy and put away that money anyway, and eventually use it to help someone, or I guess to help yourself. That's a lot of money, and I've never thought of it that way. And keeping in mind, you haven't factored in uh, a holiday now and then. I mean, Justin does a lot of great content on um, effective holidays and how to budget uh, when you go on holiday. So you have to follow his uh, money podcast. And what's the other one called? The Hustle. Because he does a lot of um, cost saving and even on TikTok as well on how you could save in load shedding, how you could save on, on family holidays. So you have not just, you you haven't even factored in um, family holidays at this stage. I love that you mentioned parties. You know, our children are at an age now where none of them want a big party anymore. And I thank God because up until this point, you know, we keep saying we're not going to have a party and then... A month before the time, there's so much pressure on us as parents and the new friends that they've either made in school or in the class that we, we and I, I'm guilty of that. You know, I have a very healthy, good relationship with money. But when it comes to my children's birthday parties, I overspend way too much. The cake is too pricey. You know, the party packs are ridiculous to the point that at our last birthday party, and you can hear how annoyed I am, at our last birthday party, there was so much, I said to them, this can't go to waste. And we actually donated it, you know, we gave it to children who don't have. And so I, I get very sensitive and I feel very responsible when it comes to spending money. I almost want to say, um, this was our decision, so I don't mind saving the money and spending it on baby. But when it comes to the extra things that we don't need, you know, I'm starting to rethink the whole situation of how to spend money on my kids. I think the conversation even goes deeper than that. I think often the birthday parties are actually for parents rather than for the children. I think especially in your private school environments, you know, I've seen it firsthand. It's mommy A trying to outdo mommy B or, you know, mommy A had party packs and now you got to at least match the party packs. And so there's this, there's this very real pressure. And so I think it is important to also be very sensitive to the environment in which we live. There is, and this is not a South African problem. This is a global problem. People are hungry. People are homeless. People are going without. And if you have a family that loves you, if you have all the essentials that are the building blocks for success, anything over and above that really is a privilege. And I think, you know, the way we choose to celebrate our kids' birthdays is very different from everybody else. So we have a cake cutting. It's a small cake for just the intimate family. And we don't do cake for everybody else. We don't do these big 
birthday parties for all the mothers and fathers. In fact, you're encouraged to drop your kids off and you're encouraged to come and pick them up later because the birthday party is about the kids and we make sure that our kids choose what they want to do. And most of the time, the things that the kids actually want to do is they just want to run around somewhere in an open space and be with their friends. And we, I think as parents, often put unnecessary pressure on ourselves, but we also indirectly put that pressure onto our children. And so I would say that, again, the value of money is really important. And, you know, Ilana, both you and I come from a very similar background. We come from from these sort of environments of not having. And so we are very sensitive to the plights of those who don't have. And I think it is often the most painful thing for me to witness is domestic workers at kids' birthday parties watching the total excess, knowing that they can't provide that for their own children. That really hurts me deeply. I must tell you, I'm in competition with no one. And sometimes I feel the pressure is on how we taught our children, you know, the way we teach them that, you know, mommy's going to give you a party if you, and I've, I've stopped doing that kind of rewarding, you know, um, I mean, we've had many conversations on, on, on this platform as well about how we reward with devices or phone time, you know, uh, things that don't cost me more, but um, that also needs to be limited and watched and supervised. So, I mean, I think as as parents, we, we're constantly learning and and as people who need to have a little bit more respect and not part with our money so quickly, I think we, we are in the business of learning so much. Um when when do we start saving for our children's education? I'll, I'll give you a little story. <laughs> so you know the story, but I'm going to tell this for the sake of the podcast. And my husband, when my second baby came, uh, he was still driving fast cars. So he he had um, he was racing uh, cars as a hobby. And I said to him, "Well, if you're going to do an irresponsible sport, not that I." ride horses and could fall and break my neck but anyway <laughs> i was like if you if you're gonna race um i'm gonna take out life insurance because i'm not gonna raise my kids without a dad and without money and he thought i was joking until the broker arrived at the house and i said to him well uh this is how I, how much i want to um insure your life for so you need to sign the papers and that's the day he stopped racing uh you know he gave up the car uh, the suit is hanging in the cupboard and the kids use the helmet as a prop, you know. And I then decided to, at the time, so my little one was just born, and I decided to put the money away anyway as if I'm paying life insurance. That baby is now six and I feel like I have saved for her education. But it happened to happen by accident. It was not something that I planned for. I happened to do it because at the time I saw it as something that was necessary. And I guess I did it out of fear, you know. When do we start saving for our baby's education? And I'm talking about South Africans who generally, I feel, have got a very poor savings culture. Yes, I mean, I've got, I've got two answers. I've got one answer that is deeply logical. And then I've got another answer that's very esoterical, but I think speaks to both sides of the audience. The most obvious time to start saving is the day you decide you're going to make a baby. So, you know, the day you decide to go on that special holiday and plant the magic seed uh, is probably the day you should start saving. Uh, the sooner the better. Once you actively participate in a choice, I believe that you must exercise responsibility over that choice. Having said that, uh, I don't believe that, and this is the esoterical part of the answer, I don't believe that 
money should be the inhibitor to having children. There is one thing I know about people to be absolutely true. If you have children, you'll figure out how to make it work. It's the most unbelievable thing. When, you, when you're on your own, you might not find the light, but, but being responsible for another human being drives a different kind of mama bear, mm. drives a different kind of papa Agreed. bear. And you will figure out how to make stuff work. Um, and so, you know, I always tell people there's never perfect timing to have kids. I mean, this whole debate around let's wait until we're 30 and we're all financially responsible and the house is paid for. And like, listen, your ovaries might not work by then. Your seeds might be dead, mm. right? So I, I think we have a, a social contract. I think we have a social responsibility mm. to actually have children, believe it or not. And I don't think that, uh, I don't think money should be the inhibitor. Having said that, I don't want to take away from the responsibility. Mm which is if you decide and make that choice, then you need to also actively participate in being responsible over that choice by putting money aside. Mm. And also putting money aside to help other people because that's that's my reason for having children. Uh, also not something and a value that I want to impart on other people, but I feel that I had children so that we can help the world to be a better place, you know. Uh, someone asked me the other day, but you were a mom when you got married because I'm a stepmom of, of two amazing kids. And she said, why did you want new children? And I said, I don't know if you call them old or new children. <laughs> you know, if you have a desire to raise children, you can raise any kid. You can raise your stepchildren. You can raise another baby that doesn't have a mom or dad. You can raise a child of someone who doesn't have the finances. And so having my children, uh, I, I would want 20 more. Uh, I actually asked my husband for a baby and he said, no, just yesterday, like the past four years. Um, but I, I love kids so much. And I really feel that we are all put on this earth in order to make the world a better place. We can, we, we here to help people and to spread good news, you know? So I, I think we all do it for many reasons, but you're right. Money shouldn't be the reason why we say, uh, and God forbid, there's many mommies that can't have children, but money shouldn't be the reason why we say we're not doing it. Um, uh, we can find other reasons and we can use our finances to to raise other children. Do we do we um, do do we uh, take up policies and endowments and the bank? So, look, I think. I think if you are a, a young family starting out and you have no real capital saved up and you don't have uh, the means to cover your debts, uh, life insurance is an essential. And I, and, you know, I'm actually quite against life insurance. Funny enough, uh, the life insurance industry doesn't like me very much because I often say that life insurance policies are sold to the wrong people. You know, people have said. You know, you started working, you should have life insurance policy. You should have a life insurance policy, in my humble opinion, if you have dependents. Now, we also need to break down what is a dependent from a financial perspective. A dependent is somebody who's going to basically be reliant on you in terms of finances. So if there's a primary breadwinner or maybe there's two people earning and one person's salary is going to be need to be replaced in the in in case of death, you need life insurance if there's kids involved. Uh, life insurance, I think, is essential to leaving options on the table and providing continuity for the partner left behind as well as the children left behind. And I think it is a it is a responsibility. Now, you know, when you get to a point where you've amassed a certain amount of net worth, 
let's just say, for example, you know, if you die tomorrow and you can at least leave, let's just say, 10 million in assets and those assets can be disposed of and that can then be invested to create income, then I'd probably say in that case, you could probably start cutting back on your life insurance. But for most people who haven't got there, and, and I call it the middle class poverty trap, most people in the middle class poverty trap, they're, they're earning well. Uh, but they're also spending well. And so consequently, they're not amassing assets. They're not amassing net worth. And so you need to think about how do you protect the income. And one of the ways to protect the income, which really provides the food, the school fees, all the rest of that, is by taking out life insurance. But again, when you reach a tipping point where you go over a certain net worth in asset value, then I think you start dialing back on your life insurance. So again, it's for me, it's a, it's a non-emotional decision. It's purely logical. Okay, so I've got a bit of quick fire for you. Are you ready, Justin Harrison? I'm ready. Okay, one line answers, eh? Okay, so in this entire budget that we've just discussed, how important is a new car? Because I love me a new car. It it is absolutely no relevance on the planet. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I and I I'm sorry, but this has to be longer than a one liner. No, this, Ilana, I get given terrible. so much grief. <laughs> Be I didn't because, like that because answer. I drive a this, Chinese buggy. This is the end of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, listen. Let's be fair. We're not all sponsored by Mercedes Benz. Eh? Neither am I, um, by Ilana. the way. <laughs> well, you should be because you know you do enough advertising for them. So, Mercedes Benz, if you're listening, Elana would like a brand new <laughs> oh, uh, Viano, Viano, because she's having lots more babies, and we must be able to put at least eight. Prams and Ooh, about I seven seats. I love that. I love that. But yeah, so, here, so here's the thing. So I get I get given a lot of flack because I drive a Chinese bucky. And listen, I've had some incredible cars. I'm a car nut. I've had 61 cars. I've had everything from Aston Martin to <laughs> Range Rovers. And I now drive a Chinese bucky because here's what you discover through life, right? All the material stuff that you desire today is ultimately going to the scrap heap of life from where it came from. Everything that is so desirable from a material perspective today, as nice as it is, it is eventually going to go right back. And so I think a car is the least important thing on the planet. I think that we have so many options in, in, terms, of, in terms of modes of transport today. Uh, if you are sitting and you've got to make the decision between buying your kids food and, and having a car, it's always going to be buying your kids food. But then we take that deeper. Uh, is it an extra three grand a month on a car or putting an extra three grand a month aside so that our kids can study and become something really incredible in the world today? And so I think one of the parts of becoming a parent is that you have to let a part of you die. And it's hard. It is hard. You have to let that part of you die at some point. Okay, so we already got the answer on clothing. Uh, you buy good quality clothing so that you can make sure that you can gift it to other people. I really liked that. Uh, what about uh, preschool? You know, some people go, oh, it has to be, uh, I don't know what they say because I didn't say it. Uh, my kids went to an ordinary play school and they are really intelligent, nerdy, amazing children. Um, do we go to the best daycare or should they just be safe? The suit does not maketh the man, the man maketh the suit. And so when it comes to schooling, I have the exact same opinion. I think the reason why we place so much emphasis on schooling is because often we've stopped parenting and we are handing our kids over to a system to educate kids and provide a value system on our behalf, especially where we have two people working. This is very often an unintended case that happens. And so I believe 
that the things that really contribute most to kids' makeup in the long term is the environment at home. And in fact, I would encourage parents, if you come from a very privileged background, to send your kids to a less privileged preschool. Let them get punched in the face a little bit. Let them fight for their, for their, for their lunch a little bit. Let them play around in some dirt. Because ultimately, that is going to add to who they become as adults. And so I think there is way too much emphasis on preschooling and not enough emphasis on parenting. Do we move closer to our schools or do we uh, send the child to a school in the area? Look, I think today we have a very real problem, especially if you're following the Bella Bella Act and you have a look at uh, the kind of onslaught against uh, the parents' choices in education and the kind of environment. So I think you want to try and put your kid as close to the best possible school as possible. And when I say the best school, I'm not talking about necessarily the most expensive. I'm talking about the most aligned with your value system, the most aligned with what's going to give the, the child the best recreational and extracurricular activities, There's a lot of things that go into it. But ultimately, I think that where a child grows up in the home is far more important than the school environment. Having said that, just because it is a secondary choice doesn't mean that you should ignore it. I think putting yourself near good schools is important. Is it expensive to have children? I think it's expensive not to have children. And I'll tell you why I say this. Uh, and this is from Mr. Money, who just equated putting our kids through private school at about 11.3 million without inflation. We haven't even factored inflation in there or any of those holidays. I think it's expensive not to have children because the true, the true cost of not having children is no lineage. The true cost of not having children is you know, not carrying your value system forward. But most importantly, Alana, I've spent a considerable amount of time with people on their deathbeds over the last two, three years. People have entrusted me into their estates to wrap things up. And the number one regret that people have is not having enough children. It's actually, it's people think it's not having enough time. People think it's working too much. It's not having enough children. There's something about the pitter-patter of feet in a home that makes a house a home. There's something about those when the kids leave school and they come home on a Sunday for that Sunday lunch or the Sunday braai, there's something about witnessing your daughter being married off. There's something about witnessing your son sow his seeds, hopefully just to one lady. And uh, I think I think that's what life is about. And I don't think you can put a value on that. I think given the choice between a shiny sports car and given the choice between heart, connection, love, lineage, family, I'll give up all the money in the world. I get you. I hear you completely. Seeing that you know all about money, if we are unable to or we are not going to have kids, how should we be spending our money? You know, again, I don't think I don't think it would be right of me to project my my ideas onto everybody else. So I say this very selfishly, these are my views if I didn't have kids. Um because my dad was adopted and you know, I came from a very, very impoverished background. I would feel very duty bound to help those uh, in need, those less than me. And, and, and to be honest with you, more so the children and the animals than the adults, because I think adults ultimately at some point you need to, you need to grow up and make choices. And so I, I feel very duty bound in my heart to always help animals and children, because those are the, those are the two parts of our society that often don't have a voice. And so I think if you're in a position, for example, to, to raise your domestics uh, kids, you should do it. I think if you're in a position with a business that you can provide daycare for, you know, free of charge to, your, to the mothers and 
some sometimes the fathers these days i think i think that's i think that you should do it i think we have a social contract and i think that extends beyond money you know lana was in dubai just a couple of days ago and i was talking to a very elite group of finance people about money and for the first hour and a half i just spoke about energy the transfer of energy because that's what money is it's emotion and energy and they all looked at me like i was a total crackpot when i started but because it's somebody delivering the message who's not in a pair of homemade pants and wearing a tie-dye shirt i equated back to quantum physics and the reality of the way our world is shaped and literally we are ripples in this world we 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 create ripple effects in this world and i think if you decide not to have children and you and you are in a position to help i believe you have a you have a social contract and i say that from my point of view i don't want to project that on anyone but that's that's my point of view well justin is our money guy and if you want to hear and see more of him you have to log on to tiktok find him under justin harrison uh he's also our guy behind the money podcast as well as uh i keep forgetting the hustle one what's it called hustle hustle your money the hustle with justin the, harrison the so hustle very interesting name choice <laughs> the hustle <laughs> with justin harrison i want to also thank you for this i know that you are extremely busy and from all of us here at baby brunch and at jacaranda fm we want to thank you you know you you never leave me feeling the same when i spend time with you and that is the biggest gift that i can get from you so Justin, thank you to you and your beautiful wife. Oh my word, she's stunning. Thank you to both of you for always giving your time to educate and to lend support and to even be on these podcasts because we don't hand them packs of money uh, in order to be here. So you must let us know how we can support and help you always. And just know that you make a big impact on the world. And we are so happy, so happy that you're part of ours. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Elon. I really appreciate it. It's always a privilege to be on your show because, you know, I, th I think you have a very important role to play in, 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 you know, debunking a lot of things for new parents and, and just settling a lot of nerves because it is nerve wracking having kids. And, you know, I, I made the joke earlier, child one, you're very nervous. Child two, you sort of like find your feet and child three, just let them bounce off the walls. They'll figure it out. And, you know, I think for new parents, a podcast like yours is essential. Um, I recommend it to to all my friends who are having kids. I always say, listen to to Ilana's Baby Brunch; it will set you free. And uh, you know, as much as as much as you talk about the energy that I bring, I think you're here every every week. You know, giving that energy out to people, and I think I take a lot of inspiration from that. And I hope you guys continue to do great things. We will. If it helps people, we will. Justin, thanks for your time. This podcast was supported by Epimax Baby and Junior. Epimax Baby and Junior is dermatologist approved, free of artificial colorants and fragrances, and is safe to use from birth. Touch, nourish, love your child's skin with Epimax Baby and Junior. Available from leading pharmacies and retail stores.